Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. <clears throat> also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadomo. She is the president of the Florida State Senate. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us at the end of the show. It is May the 30th, and on this day in 1431, at Rouen, in English-controlled Normandy, Joan of Arc, the peasant girl who became the savior of France, was burned at the stake for heresy. Joan was born in 1412, the daughter of a tenant farmer at Domremy, uh, on the border of the duchies of Bar and Lorraine. Excuse my French, by the way. In 1415, the Hundred Years' War began between England and France, uh, entered a crucial phase when the young king, Henry V of England, invaded France and won a series of decisive victories against the forces of King Charles VI. By the time Henry's death in uh, August of 1422, the English and their French Burgundian uh, allies controlled Aquitaine and most of the northern France, most of northern France, including Paris. Charles VI, long incapacitated, died one month later, and his son Charles, regent from 1418, prepared to take the uh, throne. However, Reims, the uh, traditional city of the French coronation, was held by the Anglo-Burgundians, and the Dauphin, his heir apparent to the French throne, uh, remained uncrowned. Meanwhile, King Henry VI of England, the infant son of Charles Henry V and Catherine uh, of Valois, the daughter of uh, uh, King Charles VI, was proclaimed King of France by the English. <clears throat> Joan's village of Domremy, Domremy, I should say, uh, lay out the frontier between the uh, French of the Dauphin and that of the Anglo-Burgundians. In the midst of the unstable environment, Joan began hearing voices of three Christian saints, St. Michael, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret. When she was about 16, these voices exhorted her to take uh, aid Dauphin in capturing Reims and therefore the French throne. In May 1428, she traveled to Valcolour's uh, stronghold of the Dauphin and told the captain of the garrison of her visions. Disbelieving the young girl, he sent her home. In January 1429, she returned, and the captain, impressed by her piety and determination, agreed to allow her passage to the Dolphin at uh, Chinon. Dressed in men's clothes and accompanied by six soldiers, she reached the Dolphin's castle at Chinon in February 1429, and she was granted an audience. Charles hid himself among the courtiers, but Joan immediately picked him out and informed him of his, her divine mission. For several weeks, Charles had Joan questioned by theologians at Portiers, uh, who concluded that, given her desperate straits, the Dolphin would be well advised to make use of this strange and charismatic young girl. Charles furnished her with a small army, and on April the 27th, 1429, she set out for Orleans, Besieged by the uh, English since October 1428, on April the 29th, as, as a French sortie uh, distracted the English troops on the west side of Orleans, 
Uh, Joan entered unopposed by its eastern gate. She brought greatly needed supplies and reinforcements and inspired the French to a passionate resistance. She personally led the charge in several battles and on May the 7th was struck down by an arrow. She quickly dressed her own wound. She returned to the fight and the French won the day. On May the 8th, the English retreated from Orleans. During the next five weeks, Joan and the French commanders led the French to a string of stunning victories over the English. On July the 16th, the Royal uh, Army reached Reims, uh, which opened its gates to Joan and the Dauphin. The next day, Charles VII was crowned King of France, with Joan standing nearby holding up her standard, an image of Christ in judgment. After the ceremony, she knelt before Charles, joyously calling him King for the first time. On September the 8th, the king and Joan attacked Paris. During the battle, Joan carried her standard up to the earthworks and called on Parisians to surrender the city to the king of France. She was wounded but continued to rally the troops until Charles ordered an end to the unsuccessful siege. That year, she led the several more small campaigns, uh, capturing the town of Saint-Pierre-le-Montier, in December, Charles ennobled uh, Joan, her parents, and her brothers, so that she became a noble person. In May 1430, the Burgundians laid siege to Compiègne, and Joan uh, stole the da- uh, into town under the cover of darkness to uh, aid in defense. On May the 23rd, while leading a sortie against the Bur- Burgundians, she was captured. The Burgundian sold her to the English, and in March 1431, she went on trial before ecclesiastical authorities in Rouen on charges of heresy. Her most serious crime, above, uh, uh, according to the tribunal, was her rejection of the church authority in favor of the direct inspiration of God. After refusing to submit to the church, her sentence was read on May the 24th. She was to be turned over to the secular authorities and executed. Reacting with horror to the pronouncement, Joan agreed to recant and was condemned instead to perpetual imprisonment. Ordered upon, uh, to put on women's clothes, she obeyed, but a few days later the judges went to her cell and found her dressed again in male attire. Questioned, she told them that St. Catherine and St. Margaret had reproached her for giving into the church against their will. Uh, she was found to be re- relapsed into heresy, and on May the 29th, ordered uh, handed over to the secular authorities. On May the 30th, Joan, 19 years of age, was burned at the stake uh, in Rouen. Before the power was lit, she instructed the priest to hold a high a crucifix for her to see and to shout out prayers loud enough to hear above the roar of the flames. As a source of military inspiration, Joan of Arc helped turn the Hundred Years' War firmly in France's favor. By 1453, Charles VII had reconquered all of France except for Calais, uh, which the English relinquished in 1558. In 1920, Joan of Arc, one of the great heroes of the French history, was recognized as a Christian saint by the Roman Catholic Church. Her feast day is May the 30th. What an incredible story. 19 years of age burned at the stake, for heresy, by the way, for not believing necessarily the church is an intermediary uh, between herself and God. Amazing story. Uh, Passenger traffic is still trending lower at Southwest Florida International Airport. The latest report from the Lee County Port Authority shows 981,216 passengers traveled through the airport in April. That's 20% fewer than in the same time uh, a month, uh, same month a year ago. 
Year-to-date traffic is down 18% at the Fort Myers Airport while compared to 2022. Traffic has been trending lower since before Hurricane Ian when it was only exacerbated by that situation. Tourism has taken a hit in Fort Myers ever since the catastrophic storm with Ian. With many hotels and hotspots still in recovery mode, flights are still fewer than a year ago as a result of Ian. The airport has 8,380 aircraft takeoffs and landing in April. That's a 16% decrease from a year ago. Stunning information. Uh, This would certainly be a place for people to go. Uh, One consideration, and I don't know why this is happening, but one consideration may be that right now people just have fewer dollars or they have as many dollars, but they don't go as far. So uh, people may be cutting back on what would normally be a travel time and vacation time on the Paradise Coast. Oyo's family of four needs to earn a minimum of $85,000 a year on average to quote-unquote get by, which is nearly three times the federal poverty line and 27000 more than the estimated needed average uh, just 10 years ago. Can you believe that, with the inf- impact of inflation? When asked, uh, what is the smallest amount of money a family of four needs to make each year to, to get by in your community? The average answer respondents gave was $85,000, according to a Gallup poll. In 2013, the average was $58,000 a year. By comparison, the federal poverty line for a family of four is $30,000. So people are having trouble getting by these days. And, of course, travel would be one of the first things to go. The details of a deal between uh, President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy were released Sunday in the form of a 99-page bill that would suspend the nation's debt limit through 2025 to avoid a federal default while limiting government spending. The Democrat president and uh, Republican speaker are trying to win over lawmakers to make it in time to avert a default that would shake the global economy. But Congress will will be scrutinizing and debating the legislation, which also includes provisions to fund medical care for veterans, change work requirements for some recipients of government aid, and streamline environmental reviews for energy projects. Uh, McCarthy said the House will vote on the legislation Wednesday, giving the Senate time to consider it before June 5th, the date when Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen Uh, said the United States could default on its debt obligations if lawmakers did not act in time. Not sure I believe that date, but nevertheless, uh, that's what they're going to working with right now. Uh, Would appreciate Janet uh, Yellen being a little bit more transparent with the reasoning behind that date. So Representative uh, Pamela Jayapal, Uh, she's a Democrat from Washington, denounced the provisional debt ceiling struck between House Speaker McCarthy and uh, Biden, describing it as absolutely terrible policy. (laughs) So the progressive caucus chair appeared on CNN to express her opposition to the tentative debt ceiling compliment. And here's her logic. First of all, let me say terrible policy, she said. Absolutely terrible policy does not reduce spending. Actually, by some estimates, creates a burden on administrative spending that is actually worse for, you know, the overall cost of a program like that. Number two, it's about uh, people who are hungry, people who are just need a little bit of temporary assistance. And we're the one of the only countries in the world, if not the only country in the world, Uh, That is industrialized country that puts any requirements on people who just want food. (laughs) So, very bad policy, she repeated. 
terrible policy. Uh, does not save money, and by the way, does not work. Well, uh, that uh, she didn't peel the onion too much there. We don't really understand what the objection is to uh, the the uh, debt ceiling uh, solution. But irrespective, that's her position. Now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday slammed the bipartisan debt deal ceiling deal, uh, saying the country will still careen towards bankruptcy. Prior to the deal, our country was careening towards bankruptcy. And after the deal, our country will still be careening towards bankruptcy. And to say you can do $4 trillion of increases in the next year and a half, I mean, that's a massive amount of spending, he said uh, on a TV show. I think we've gotten ourselves on a trajectory here, really, since March of 2020 with uh, with some of the COVID spending and total reset of the budget, and they're sticking with that. And I think that's going to be totally inadequate and inadequate to get in, us into a better spot, the Senate said. So he's ringing in, uh, probably from a political point of view, about the, uh, the uh, solution or the <clears throat> negotiated difference. And Chairman James Comer and the House Oversight Committee announced last Thursday that the Oversight Committee will launch contempt of Congress charges uh, proceedings if Christopher Wray and the FBI refuse to turn over this incriminating document by document uh, by today. Last Friday, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer wrote the FBI demanding that they turn over a document alleging uh, a $5 million bribery scheme involving the vice president at the time, Joe Biden. The document in question is not classified, and it would be interesting to see now if they actually proceed with contempt of Congress proceedings against Christopher Wray and the FBI. I think they should. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, but also the president of the Florida State Senate. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, they get the politics and they know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to develop a winning strategy to go into uh, the legislature. The website is thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us the president of the Florida State Senate and our uh, state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Good. Uh, you know, I, I know the session is over right now, but I would imagine you still have some people calling on you about special requests for the legislature in the next session. Yeah, um, you know, we what the, one of the great parts about this position is that you know you get a lot of calls from uh, constituents and actually people all over the state that you know have ideas. You know, mm-hmm. one of those there ought to be a bill kind of thing, and so now is the time <clears throat> as we get gearing up for the. Uh, committee weeks, which start in September, to you know meet with people to hear about their ideas. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't file any bills as president because it's just I don't have the capacity. Um, but um, so I, I I can steer them to people who are interested. You know, we get a lot of issues. Uh, I got I got an email um, last week about some elderly abuse, uh, financial abuse that. You know, we have uh, members of the Senate that are very interested in that, and I'll, uh, you know, forward that on to, the, to uh, my colleagues that could take on those big things. So it's, it's really, the summer is quiet, but it's also an opportunity to start gearing up for, you know, next session. Absolutely, and I would imagine there's some uh, special uh local requests uh, for things. I know that uh, I, we approached you at, uh, when I was the chairman of Gulf Shore Playhouse about uh, getting some help from the state about uh, the, the, what we were doing. Uh, I, I, we felt passionate about it. I'm sure many people approach you with things like that, but it's not necessarily a statewide issue. No, not, not always. One of the, one of the challenges, um, as, as you and I have discussed, is that when we're dealing with funding, uh, but most of these are funding issues, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, for arts and culture and, and other um, type of issues. So we have to take a look at it. Is this something that the locals should be taking care of, or is there something that a reason that the state should get involved? So I look at, you know, like uh, Gulshore Playhouse, Botanical Gardens, and these are tourist attraction uh, attractions in many respects. So, 
you know, as long as there's a nexus that it's going to be more than just, you know, the next door neighbors, Mm -hmm. um, then I feel like I can support it. This year, uh, interestingly, the governor's uh, much more focused on water type issues, um, you know, uh, or also um, reaction and repair, et cetera, from the from the hurricanes. So I think that's where the that's where our budget mostly focused on mm-hmm. environment, water, infrastructure, those kind of things. Well, even if it makes it into the budget, the uh, uh, the uh, governor has the line item veto, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to uh, be p- passed into the budget. That's that's true, um, and so <laughs> you know I I uh, have had conversations with the governor and staff about you know what are the what, you know I had sponsored. Um, a couple hundred million dollars in projects that I carefully vetted um, because I wanted to make sure they fit in with the governor's philosophy of, you know, what is the state's purview? What should we be funding? And, you know, I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, obviously he's going to veto. I'm told about 600 million in, which is really uh, low compared to uh, the last couple of years where it was billions. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason is uh, because people, the members have gotten a lot more judicious in what they are requesting. Yeah. And the speaker and I were very careful with our budget chairs to make, to say, don't fund something that we would, that, is, that should be vetoed. Think it through. Why put the governor in the position of having to veto something mm-hmm. um, because it just doesn't fit in with our philosophy just to make points with members. That makes so, sense. So are you yeah. seeing any kind of pattern or any kind of theme uh, with the request that you're having right now? Uh, you mean in terms of, uh, think, well, there's there's still some people that ha- are continuing to object to the 2020 election and think that our election laws are not um, robust enough, which I disagree completely. You know, they may they may not be around the country, but Florida's uh, laws are pretty well crafted and work. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm always concerned about th- those individuals who want us to change our laws because it's not our laws. It's, right. it's federal or it's other states. And, and our, you know, what I tell them is, look, if you really care about what's going on in other states, go there and work with those states because, Flo- you, you know, your Florida's laws are pretty good. They really are, and uh, I, I just think uh, the uh, outgoing, uh, the uh, commissioner of, I forgot, the state elections. Uh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, she, anyway, she, did, she did a great job. and uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So um, is there anything that you wish you'd passed that you didn't? Um, well, so far, I don't, there, yeah, there's, there's a few bills that you're going to you know, keep cropping up every year. Um, and stay tuned kind of thing where what I'm going to start working on, uh, is healthcare issues. Um, that's a big, uh, area that we haven't really tackled. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean, you know, Medicaid expansion because I totally disapprove of that. But what I'm talking about is setting up the structure of how are we going to deliver healthcare, particularly in, in light of the fact that, you know, more than a thousand people a day move to Florida because of, you know, we call it the free state of Florida. Well, and that's why people are moving here. Um, most of them are, you know, over 50, over 60, and are going to need health care uh, sooner rather than later. 
we don't have enough practitioners, we don't have enough facilities to handle the people that are already here, hmm. particularly in the rural areas. So we have to take a look at it. How are we going to provide the framework for the delivery of health care to those, to not just uh, the new people, but more, more the people who live here? And, and so I'm going to take a deep dive into that this summer. I talked to the governor about it, talked to the speaker about it, and I think we're all on board. Um, it's, not a, it's not a money thing. It's a structure thing. Yeah, well, I, I've read about the uh, shortage of doctors and the nurses, and right. uh, it's uh, it's an important issue. So it sounds like yes. I'm really happy that you're on top of that. Again, Kathleen Pasadoma, our Florida State Senate President, as well as our representative, our senator here in uh, the Paradise Coast. I just genuinely appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen, former radio personality in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's my pleasure to uh, join you, and it's uh, wonderful. To, it's always wonderful to be back in Florida. Yeah, we missed you I last was, week. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I was drinking wine and eating massive amounts of fabulous food in France. Wow! Can you tell us a little bit about your trip? Well, we started out in Bordeaux, 
and which is really a, uh, a massive, one of the many uh, wine regions of France. And I got to tell you, Bob, they drink wine like we drink Kool-Aid. It's, you know, I mean, at 10 o'clock in the morning, we are drinking wine. You know, you, can, you don't do that in the States here. I don't, there's something odd about the wine that we have in the United States versus what they have in Europe. Yeah. I don't know if it's the sulfates, but... Uh, boy, it's an elixir. It's it's just fabulous. We went to a lot of wineries, saw the massive amounts of of uh, work that goes into producing wine, at least in a European fashion, and uh, it really developed an appreciation, a greater appreciation for good wines. And uh, why not? Wow. So uh, I'm, I have so many thoughts right now. We went to a, a vineyard and stayed in a home that had been in the same family since the year 900 AD. It stayed at a vineyard wow. and had a wine tasting. It was so interesting in that. But the, one of the things they learned is that they don't allow watering of any sort. In other words, the wine is going to be a, a product of the weather and of the ground and the, and the, uh, uh, the, the uh, soil at the time and uh, that's how things are judged uh, so it's kind of interesting to you know put those types of boundaries on uh, their wine production well they do they say that the roots the uh, vines of the uh, of the grapes have to suffer and the more suffering they do huh. the better the wine huh that's so interesting so they don't water you're right and as a result, a lot of the roots have to go down as much as like 50 feet to get to water. Wow. But it's, it's so labor-intensive with uh, cleaning up the vine so that the grapes get in the sunlight, making sure you have the right mix of soil, making sure there's drainage. And then, you know, it's not some bunch of people that are mashing grapes in a pot or, you know, a big bucket like you know, you think that it would be. And it's so much of the, so many of the vineyards we went to still are very tied to the past and how they used to do it. Yep. And they change very slowly, which is very different from the philosophy of running a vineyard, say, in Napa Valley. Absol very different here. Absolutely. So uh, you went to Bordeaux. Any other stops in the, on the trip? Well, we went every day to different regions, wine regions, that were within an hour, hour and a half of Bordeaux. And uh, so we went to a lot of different regions in that area, but our home base was Bordeaux. And just how they marry together the, the wine, the food, the, yeah. uh, the artwork, uh, it just was a fascinating trip. And my takeaway is, you know, we went to a lot of restaurants, obviously, and there were only 12 of us, but Americans, and I don't know why this is, but we speak so loudly, and I'll include myself. I have a very loud voice, um, but I've noticed that the Europeans speak quiet, or at least the French do. They're much more low-key. I mean, it doesn't even seem like their kids scream a lot. It's They're very, very low-key, softer, quieter, and, you know, we'd go into a restaurant with our big, booming American voices, <laughs> and you could see why they were just like, oh, my gosh. You know, I had an interesting thing occur. We, we went and uh, went into a restaurant, a very nice restaurant, 
and we sat down at our table and all of a sudden two people came up and joined us <laughs> it was you know two strangers and i, I the the the, uh, the culture there is just a lot different yes yeah it is you know could you i mean i think a lot of it is very charming yeah uh you know but we've grown up in america so i guess we're used to american ways but i'll tell you you certainly could go over there and uh, I don't know if they have bed and breakfast or, you know, some of those Airbnb homes, but what a neat time you'd have to spend a month over there in some small town. Yeah, uh, that's so interesting. Well, it sounds like you had a fabulous trip. Yeah, we really did. <clears throat> um, I've never eaten so much in my life. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that my, my liver was on house arrest. I, you know, I'm sure that it's stressed beyond belief, but... Uh, we had a, it, it was a wonderful time, and you know when you travel, you build memories, you make different friendships, you meet different people from different cultures. It's really a wonderful gift that you give yourself, yeah. and I would encourage people. You know, I know traveling is hard. You know, I know it's expensive, it's difficult, but the net result is that it. it I think it's it's certainly worth it. Yeah, expands your horizons uh, greatly, and uh, it's a wonderful thing if you can afford it. Number one, uh, it, travel, although I'll, I'll, quite frankly, in my opinion, has become much more difficult than it was, say, ten years ago. And uh, I don't know what the reasons might be for that, and it may have to do with just a crunch on profitability for airlines or whatever, or the pandemic. But how were travel? How was travel? For me, it was fine. Um, but one of the people that I was with got stuck in Paris for an additional seven hours because, you know, they had to bring a different plane in. That's the hassle part of traveling, which is scary in my mind. I mean, I I think it's scary to be stuck somewhere and not know how to get home or when you're going to get home. And you hear that a lot. Uh, As an example, you know, I was in Australia about two months ago and right out of the blocks, our flight to Australia was canceled. Wow. The whole the whole plane was canceled. Wow! How did they do that? I don't know, but they certainly aren't thinking about your comfort and travel ease at, at all on that. Well, in any event, I'm so happy that your trip was so successful and you had a, uh, had a great time. Are uh, you a traveler? No, actually, uh, Linda and I are kind of homebodies. We've been all over the world. I mean, we've been to China and we've been to. Hong Kong and uh, just all over the world. We've had wonderful trips. And right now, for whatever reason, our sentiment is uh, we're on the Paradise Coast. In fact, in a few years ago, we had a wedding anniversary and decided we wanted to go someplace special. We got all kinds of travel brochures and looked around. We ended up going, going over to the Ritz for a day, <laughs> about 100 yards from our home. So, uh, no, we're, we're not travel folks. Well, I know. And you get into that. I, I really think that a lot of people, a lot of people our age, get into the habit of of not wanting to travel, not wanting to take it on. Right. I mean, I, I certainly get that. Yep. But the problem is, once you get that mindset, it's hard to get out of it. Oh, you're right about that. It's getting to the point now where I don't even want to go on I on 41. <laughs> <laughs> And Bonita Beach Road is a it's a it's a, a long distance trip, so it's so interesting. Well, Boo, uh, before I let you go, I know that you'd brought up the topic off air about uh, uh, young people dying 
And there's been a lot of that. Uh, I guess about over 100,000 young people have died because of fentanyl poisoning. Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, we have made so many strides in keeping people and keeping young kids alive over the last few years with um, with seatbelts and car seats and bicycle helmets and smoke detectors and yep. getting kids to learn how to swim. and But all of those gains that we had made in, in driving mortality down uh, have all now been erased yep. by by four, basically four things, murder, drug overdoses, car accidents, and suicides. And they are, they are absolutely driving the death rates of young Americans up to an alarming, I would think alarming rate. And I know we've talked about this before, but there's so many articles about what's happening to our youth. As an example, last year, a hundred thousand people died from from overdoses yeah. last year yeah that's horrific it is and uh you know well, it, it raises a big problem about uh, uh open borders and just a number of things but uh boo i mean, just i uh, really appreciate your bringing this issue to our attention we need it unfortunately we don't have the time to uh, examine it right now on the show but i really appreciate your coming on the show i know you got to be a little bit tired because of jet lag so thank you so much for joining us my pleasure. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for some great performances coming up by visiting the website uh, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Les Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size and open sphere of influence the government, and the government does not. Not everybody's on board, that's for sure. So you wrote a piece which I found uh, pretty darn interesting. Gov- uh, government price fixing is just as stupid in Europe. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, last week I wrote about the EU <clears throat> is messing with standard essential patents. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get into the specifics of how they're screwing with standard essential patents. As a, as a quick reminder, standard essential patents are... There, as anti-globalism as I am, there is a, it is a globalist economy in a lot of ways, and some things all need to work together yep. globally, or it's not going to work, and the cell phone market is obviously one of them. You've got to have the same standards for U.S. and Botswana and Uganda and France, and, you know, so you got to have universal standards, and then you've got to have devices and patents for the devices that are that that meet the standards and fit fit the system so standard essential patents are just as important as any other patent uh they're just meeting the standard now what the way it used to work was or the way it does work is the 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 players all get together and negotiate a price for the standard essential patent because Unlike with regular patents, everybody uses standard essential patents mm-hmm. because it, it, you got you all got to meet the same standards, so you all you could use the same uh, patented technology. And everybody got together and negotiated a, 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 a the acronym. Everybody loves acronyms in government. It's FRAN, fair and reasonable negotiated uh, price, um, and that's the way it worked, and it's the way it's always worked, and. Gee, it seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah. Well, the EU is now saying, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna create what we and we alone will call a competence center. And anytime I hear government declaring they're gonna set up a competence center, I laugh. Yeah. And it's gonna be in the in a division of the European Union that has never dealt with patents before. So I'm sure it's gonna be a competence. Center. Yeah, and and then there, that government entity is going to set the price for standard essential patents. My God! And as we know, government price setting is idiotic. Right. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the market. It takes them nine. They said they give themselves nine months to set the price. Well, what's the marketplace supposed to do for nine months? Give birth to a child. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> while they sit around and wait for the government to figure themselves out. Um, no, the market moves very quickly. There are nine million moving factors in the economy that that, that that lead into the discussion of those prices. Obviously, the way it's done now, which is all the market players who are intimately knowledgeable about the nine million market forces that are moving around, know what bring that knowledge to the table. 
and as a part, and then and then they start negotiating price. The government has no idea what it's doing. They're admitting they're setting up a brand new thing in an, in, a, in a government organization that has never dealt with patents before, and they're going to set the price. That's the new proposed rules I wrote about last week. Without getting into the details of the stupidity of the rules, this is the chief, probably the chief stupid thing in the new proposed rules is the government is going to set up a previously heretofore non-existent entity, and that that, that never-before-existing entity is going to set the prices for these patents. It's really, really dumb. And, and of of course, the other shoe of this dropping will be what happened here in the U.S., the, the biggest companies with the biggest lobbying budgets will come to fix the, 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 the competence uh, center or competence board or whatever the hell it's called. And so big tech will go in because they don't want to pay for patents, and they'll go in and they'll bribe these officials, and next thing you know, they're basically giving away the standard essential patents in the, in the way that here in the United States, the Patent Trial and Appeal Board has, has almost immediately came to be run by big tech companies. Often big tech executives are judges on the board. And then, shocker, 80-plus percent of the patents that go before the patent board are overturned by the big tech judges because the big tech bosses don't want to pay for the patents that they're overturning. And likewise, since you're going to be setting prices, the, the, the big tech companies will come to ro- run that agency and the prices will be very favorable to the big tech companies and not the people who actually invented the stuff. So, I mean, you're making a great case about the standard essential patents. They, they do need to have some uniformity. I understand that it would be best. Of course, the free markets would make these decisions. They always make the best decisions. Uh, and, and that's the uh, consumer. But in this case, who made the decision before this proposal from the European union to set up a special uh, group to do make these decisions. Well, the EU, you know, it's government. Government, yeah. government's first. <clears throat> government is just like any other organism. Its first instinct is to survive. Yeah, which is why they hated Trump, because Trump actually wanted to reduce government. Right. Heaven for Fen. So every government official, you know, every bureaucrat. And remember, they have over eight million employees just at the federal government. They all became instant enemies of Trump and made his life miserable. In, the, in any way they could. Uh, and then, of course, the second instinct after survival and, and protection is expansion. And government can ex- if government can expand and in the process expand its ability to tap into cronyism, they will do that. And that's what I fear and think this is all about. Absolutely. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I really appreciate your commentary on these important issues of Seton. You can uh, visit lessgovernment.org to catch uh, many of Seton's uh, great com- his great commentary on these issues. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Linda Harden. Uh, We'll find out what's on her mind. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Lulu B's Diner is serving great breakfast and lunch at the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center. Well, now they're serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday evening, 4 to 8 p.m. It's casual. It's fun. Food is fantastic. And I hope you'll drop by Lulu B's Diner, 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. Enjoy a great menu with uh, seafood and all kinds of comfort food. It's just a great, great opportunity for you to enjoy something where you don't need a reservation. You don't need to dress up. It's just a really uh, fun place to have breakfast, lunch, and then again, dinner. We have with us Linda Harden. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. And I have to do a shout-out for the wedge salad at Lulu B's. I mean, that is... That's my go-to wedge yeah. salad. It is so incredibly awesome. Yeah, well, we've become regulars there now. <laughs> it's, I know, and and it's it's a shame that more people. I mean, it's it's tis the season, you know, with all the car carriers that are taking um, all these these uh, snowbirds back to the well, north. But but people who are here to really take advantage of lulabies because it's it the food is great. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I gotta. Uh, a wonderful grouper dinner. It was just absolutely delicious. Twenty three bucks, unbelievable. So it's uh, and and you found a new adult beverage. There. I did, indeed. <laughs> I did indeed. So with a little porpoise swimming on the side. Of yeah. Thing. So yeah, if you're local here, you're here year round, whatever. I mean, just enjoy. It. Stop by Lulabee's for dinner Wednesday through uh, Saturday evening. So uh, lots going on in the world. Let's talk about Lindsey Graham for just a second. Let's do. Uh, Lindsey Graham is really putting himself out there. And like I told you off air, the title of my segment today should be Who's Getting Desperate or Desperation? Lindsey Graham is going over to Ukraine on, I mean, 
who's authorizing this and can they just do that? Maybe they can just show up there. But he's having little um, cute meetings with Zelensky and he's saying it's well worth the United States money to have dead Russians. Yeah. Um, this guy is has either lost his mind or he's so desperate to, to further this, get this war on and to, and to do a regime change in Russia. The whole, his whole MO just escapes me. It's so weird. But of course we know. And now, now Russia has issued a warrant for his arrest, which he now says is a badge of honor. Who does that? Well, I mean, it, here's the thing. Here's what I really object to. I mean, I get the fact that there is collateral damage. People, citizens die as a result of war. War is hell. I get all that. But the only good Russian is a dead Russian. Is that what he's saying? I mean, I just can't believe. That, that's it. I can't, I can't believe that somebody in the uh, United States Senate would be so crass and so stupid as to say something like that. Right, and nobody's calling him out on it. Yeah. Nobody's calling him out on it. Keep in mind that when John McCain was alive, he was all for this, this what's going on in Ukraine. And, mm -hmm. and don't, don't anyone forget that Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the whole wide world. So it, That's you, before this thing exactly, broke out. <laughs> exactly. So, so we're, we're trying like crazy to save Ukraine. We're putting all this money into it. Nobody can account for it. Now we've got Patriot missiles that are mistakenly crashing in the Kremlin on, on cars. I mean, and Lindsey Graham is, is out there just Look, throwing, I, I, throwing I, I, fire bombs I'll, I'll be this. the first to admit that I'm a skeptic of government and uh, always question the motivation for what's being done. I mean, just follow the money is kind of my thought about that. So trusting the government, that that's a stretch for me. I mean, I think they should be trusted sometimes that they earn it. But uh, not that hasn't happened. But uh, to me, I mean, I just wonder about how much of this money is that we're sending over there, which is billions of dollars. How much money of it is actually being uh, used for its purpose, as opposed to perhaps being laundered and used by Zelensky and others? There's nothing perhaps about it. Yeah. I mean, that what's what's going on is is all these oligarchs and <clears throat> and who whoever else from the United States is getting. Um, their pockets lined with all this money. It, it's just, and they don't want us to find out. I mean, they don't want us to find but, but getting back to Lindsey Graham, why on earth would he do this? Yeah. Well, he, uh, to your point, uh, one premise would be, and one is that uh, he, he's desperate for some reason. He's desperate. And, and let's just do a, um, a hard right on, on desperation. Um, for anybody who has followed the election since 2020, um, Arizona was the first one called for Biden by Fox News. Right. And and um, the 2022 election, uh, Carrie Lake should be governor right now, but because of the massive cheating that's going on. Well, so Katie Hobbs um, ushered her. She's, she certified her own election, which you're not supposed to do. But everything that's going on is Arizona in Arizona is, um, is, is crazy right now. But now Katie Hobbs... All of her staff is quitting. Yeah, and now this new video has come out of these these people actually tampering with the, with the voting machines. Yep. I mean, it's blatant tampering. So, so if Katie Hobbs' uh, staff is all quitting, including her chief communications, I mean, her chief of staff, they're all quitting. Let's see, could somebody be desperate? Something's yeah. happening that that we're not totally aware of now. So, stay tuned on that. I was so disappointed that uh, she took. 
I think uh, that Katie, I should, I'm sorry, Carrie Lake took this thing to this to the state supreme court, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, sh- she appealed this thing, and she said, uh, and the they the ruled is that well, she didn't win the case because uh, they're supposed to look at the signatures and do signature verification. And in fact, they looked at the signatures. Now, obviously, they it's couldn't called ver- nitpicking. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't uh, verify the signatures because they were doing them about one every three seconds. So uh, the the point being is that they've approved the process, but not. The, but uh, the result is obviously the signatures were not verified because they can't do it that fast. So the attorney should have should have had somebody witness that you can't do a signature verification. Um, yeah. it, it has to be a certain time li- limit over which they verify the signature. And so they, I know, I know you're following that. this. So what what are next? I think she's going to take this to the Supreme Court. I well, here's here's what I don't know, is that yes, that she is. But now this new film has just come out, and then people on social media who who follow this closely, Carrie Lake and and Brian Cates that I follow, and all these people are just doing high fives that this video has come out. I don't know what they're going to do next. That's what is it's, it's just it's but 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 we, combined we, combined with Katie Hobbs staff quitting, yeah. something's up. Yeah. Well, you know. We're, we need a breakthrough moment now because uh, none of the courts have been willing to exactly. put on their big big boy pants and uh, to make a decision to support uh, free and fair uh, elections and elections with integrity. They they seem to be focused on process as opposed to uh, what's what's uh, really true with regard to the re- election results. So uh, hopefully, Carrie Lake will be the person who pushes this through to get this thing really adjudicated properly. And if she loses, she loses. That's fine. But right now, who can trust the uh, results of the 179,000 ballots where signatures uh, haven't been uh, uh, haven't been verified, and uh, yet the, the court says, well, they looked at them, so they must have been verified. So, so that, but you're right. We need a breakthrough moment, and 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 it's there's there's something hovering. Uh, over what's going on there. In addition, Georgia, they just found 146,000 ballots that um, nobody counted. From 2020? Yeah. On, now, how, how, how long has this been? This has been a long time. Well, well, keep in mind, I mean, for people who have not been paying attention, yeah. uh, wake up yeah. because, because, because the mainstream media... Um, everybody, big tech, everybody is trying has been trying to hide this, but there have been patriots out there battling to get this information out. Yeah. Well, we have seen some improvement in uh, election integrity in some states. It's nice to see it moving forward. Other states, uh, not so much. But I appreciate Carrie Lake's efforts. Can I, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Oh, you're cutting me off. Well, <laughs> I, w- I was just going to say the the one other desperation thing is what happened to. Uh, Ken Paxton in Texas. Oh, that's weird. And and they're trying to now they're trying to get him out so they can install Jeb Bush's son as the attorney general there. Yeah. Something funny's going on there too. Thanks for letting me say that. Absolutely. Linda again, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Well, that's a wrap here at today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna visit with Bob Levy, the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at Bob Harden. Uh, 
at Hotmail.com, BobHarden at Hotmail.com. And by the way, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll pass the word on to your friends. That's one of the ways that we reward our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>